One of the biggest bombshell news that Elon Musk shared at the last earnings call was that Tesla is already in talks with one major automaker for licensing Tesla's full self-driving system. This development comes immediately after the rapid-fire Tesla Supercharger Network partnerships with Ford, GM, Aptera, Rivian, Volvo, Polestar, and soon Mercedes-Benz and Nissan, who are now all adopting the North American charging standard and getting access to Tesla's charging stations in the U.S. Today's guest believes that these partnerships set Tesla up to license their entire operating system and not just simply charging. How would these partnerships work? How might the revenue split happen? And of course, how will these partnerships reshape the entire competitive landscape, setting Tesla up to be the dominant player with massive market share and stock upside potential? Larry Goldberg is a serial entrepreneur, angel investor, and co-author of the book, The Decision Model. He co-founded a company called Sapiens Decision that helps business analysts automate processes and decisions. Now retired, he's traveling the world and studying Tesla. Welcome, Larry. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Herbert. I really appreciate being here. Love it. Uh, you were well-received last time, so I appreciate this. And you've come with a really big idea. So the, I heard you talking about Tesla's operating system and becoming a vendor to other large auto OEMs. So right. what is this Tesla operating system and why would Tesla want to do this? Well, you know, I'd like to set the stage in answering that because it it trips off the tongue quite easily, but it's really a lot of concepts to, to bake in before you can really appreciate what the opportunity is and why the opportunity is so important to Tesla and, and to the other OEMs. So I put together a few slides. I'd like to talk you through those and um, and then I think that sets the stage and then I'll explain what I think Tesla should do with this. Does that make sense? Perfect. Yeah, let's go. So I'm talking about being beyond an auto OEM to, I don't talk about a tier one supplier to the OEMs. Mm -hmm. I talk about a tier 0.5 supplier. And I'm going to explain what a tier 0.5 supplier is and I want to start by looking at a a tweet that really got me many years ago, actually five years ago. Um, I was a relatively early investor in Tesla, but you know, when we were struggling with the launch of the three and going through production hell, Elon announced one day with some satisfaction that they had produced 7,000 cars in seven days. And this fellow from Ford, fairly senior guy in Ford, Steve Armstrong, you know, tweaked him by saying 7,000 cars in about four hours is what we do at Ford. Yeah, you know, exactly. and, you know, pride comes before a fall, as we all know. So I put together an outtake of um, Monroe Live looking yeah. at um, Ford's first EV. And I'd like to, you know, have us look at that because I think this tells the tale that I'm, I'm going to kind of embellish on. You want to play that? Okay. So I'm about to play a four minute video uh, that was produced by Sandy Monroe and Monroe Live. Let's watch this now. 
Hey everybody, uh, welcome again to Monroe Live. And uh, today we're gonna start off basically looking at the, uh, the front end of the vehicle. Uh, I wanna have a look at the, uh, the, the frunk and compare it to the existing one that we have here from Tesla. Um, I wanna look at how the cooling system works. And I think it'll be kind of an interesting program. The guys are telling me that there's lots of stuff for me to look at. I, I'm, I was very shocked at how many hoses and how many other doodads are floating around inside this thing. So let's go over here and just have a quick look. The other thing we tried to get rid of was, if you'll notice here, box on top of box, on top of box, on top of box, on top of box, and then, a, and then we've got a cross car beam, and then another box. It just, and then look at all these screws. We, have, we can't count them all up. We'll do that later on. But the, the deal here is that there's a, there's a myriad of things that we just were shocked at. These are the componentry that are inside the, uh, the frunk. So we're looking at a lot of bits and pieces. And, um, and uh, the first question is, well, how does that compare with Tesla? Well, this is Tesla's. They have a cowl piece that goes over in the front and the rest of it it just seals off into, into the, uh, basically the body. So this is kind of more, a little more elegant design because it's got a lot less parts. So let's have a look at what we see in here with all of this and look at what, uh, what, uh, what Tesla had. So in essence, this is the octo valve. This is what we call a super manifold. And these are two heat exchangers. These all are in one relatively small package with only a few hoses that go from place to place. That means a lot less leak paths. These leak paths are something that are the bane of, uh, of construction, especially if you're looking at trying to push a car out every 60 seconds or so. That's what these guys are hopefully gonna be doing uh, because we wanna make sure that, or they wanna make sure that the customers are happy and there's no leaks all over their floors. I think that this could be packaged inside this vehicle, something similar to this. It might look a little bit different, but certainly it won't look as complicated as that and it'll never have as many quality problems as far as leak paths are concerned. So I really would like to say to Ford, if, uh, if you could, it might be a good idea to really rethink this. This will cut the cost, it'll cut the weight because all those hoses are filled with fluid. And fluid is a lot heavier than a couple of pieces of plastic and a die casting. So at the end of the day, um, I'm not as pleased as what I was hoping to be when we pulled the, uh, pulled the frunk out. But I can tell you for sure that this is better than the ID4. And although we didn't take too much uh, time to pull out the, um, the um, um, frunk and whatnot from the, uh, um, from the Polestar 2, I'm pretty sure that the Ford will easily compete with that one as well. It's just that these are, these are things that, that, that should be addressed and soon. Now, I will tell you that Tesla changed from what they had with the, uh, with the um, super bottle to this process, and they did it in less than a year. Um, that's a challenge that Ford Motor Company should be taking on right now, and hopefully, <clears throat> Hopefully they'll be able to make it as a running change in both the uh, in both the uh, uh, the Mustang here and uh, the Lightning. So you get a sense 
you get a sense of the challenge that Ford has. And, and, you know, that pride that that guy had in, you know, Ford producing X thousand in X hours really comes before the fall because what they, you know, they've had to re-engineer all those hoses and they have done that, but still they have this enormous problem of the design of that car. And if you look at the next slide, you'll see that, uh, you know, here we have Jim Farley, who, you know, is probably one of the most advanced thinkers of all the OEM heads of companies, CEOs. But he talked about the biggest eye-opening moment in his personal career when he realized we had completely changed our approach to platforms. He talks about the inverter technology, the efficiency of the system, the vehicle, the massive complexity reduction, and the cost competitive uh, reduction that he has to make in the second cycle being just as dramatic. And then he talks about, you know, the gearbox, the motors, and how we thought about investment in braking systems, wiring systems, the diversity of battery mm -hmm. chemistry like LFP. It was all a moment where we just looked at each other and said, we have to go left to beat and compete with these competitors to make real, you know, to make a really good EV. So you get a sense that he understands the, the scope of the challenge. But I have to say, when you look at their overrun, their cost overrun this year, you know, they're talking about cost overruns of two and a half billion dollars in trying to build this um, uh, this EV uh, factory and this EV business. And you see him scaling back on the EV business. You understand that they haven't begun to really address the scope of this problem. And the scope of this problem gets even worse when you look at the financial implications. Let's look at that next slide. Because what I've done is I've taken you know, some, not all, but some OEMs and compared their return on assets. And the difference, I mean, it is staggering. Wow. The, yep. the only company that's even close to Tesla's class, even close, is like, you know, 17% below Tesla, but it's close, is Ferrari. Mm -hmm. It will send you a, sell you a handmade car if you line up and wait for two years you know, for your car and pay $400,000. And they make 13% return on the assets compared to Tesla's 15 plus. And by the way, that wasn't their best quarter either. That included, you know, the, the second, the first and the second quarter of this year. Yeah. Look at Mercedes. And, and then you start going down the line and where does Ford sit yeah you know right at the bottom earning 10 percent of what tesla is earning on their assets where are they going to get the money look at gm i mean gm is almost respectable at three at at literally a fifth of the profitability of tesla i mean the scope of this is just staggering and here's the interesting part. Tesla's done the hard work. The very thing that Jim Farley was brooding about, Tesla's aced and they're actually delivering yeah. 
third generation, and they're working on their fourth generation, which is going to be even more profitable. Mm -hmm. So think about it. Think about the, the cost that these guys face. Think about the, the absolute, you know, turnaround that they have to do. And where's the money going to come from? Where's the R&D going to come from? Where are the people going to come from? Where are the, engineers, where are the software engineers going to come from? Because not only do they face a revolution in designing their cars, but they also face a digital re uh, revolution. And I'm going to talk about that in a bit, which none of them are ready for. So now let's look at the next slide because this slide, the next, the next slide talks about the tiers in the automotive supply chain. So what do we mean about tiers in automotive supply chain? If you look at the top of that box, there's this guy, there's this uh, small little dot of, you know, the 140 or so OEMs across the world, or across the US, I should say. The, the, those OEMs, they are supplied for their assemblies and their parts by what we call tier one OEMs. And that's the little orange square below the OEM. Those are the tier ones. There are 5,241 of them. Now, where are those tier one? Those are the guys that make, you know, the assemblies for, I don't know, the drivetrain, the assemblies for the... Uh, brakes, the assemblies for the electrical part of the electrical system, their components of the electrical system. But they depend upon who? Mm. Tier two sites yes. for their supplies. And tier two sites depend upon who? Tier three sites. Now we're in Jeff Lutz's territory, right? This is the whole supply chain. And look what it consists of. 285,000 vendors yeah. to make those cars. So yeah. can you imagine the complexity of redesigning your vehicle from scratch using completely different components to what these 285,776 less Tesla and its direct suppliers. Can you imagine the changes? Can you imagine mm -hmm. the scope and this is what Jim Farley means when he said, you know, we have to turn left. I mean, he has to, he has to reverse, never mind turn left, but you get an idea of the scope of, of this problem. But here's a very interesting slide. This next slide comes um, from a, a consultant, Oliver Wyman, um, consulting engineers and consulting um, a firm that talked about new automotive business models. So this is a complex slide, but what he's done is he's tried to break it down into the kinds of suppliers that we have now and we're going to need. And he talks about, if you look at the number one, that little box in number one, you see he talks about ramp down suppliers of, of fading technology. So you got to keep you know, the, the assembly line running on the 
you know, existing trucks and the Jeeps and the whatevers that you're busy producing that you hope and pray customers are going to continue buying. Now, you and I spoke, I think, some months ago about this is going to fall off a cliff mm -hmm. in due course. And it's falling off a cliff right now in, in China, but it's going to fall off a cliff here. And those uh, fading technologies, those suppliers are going to fall with them. And there's a serious problem in that regard. Then we talk about a supply chain for, quote, digital technology specialist. And we talk about a supply chain, number three, for a digital module system integrator. And within that, there's the e-drive and battery specialist. And then there's the autonomous connected HMI specialist. Now, honestly, that's old think. That's exactly how I would think a consultant to the legacy automotive business would think about it. But these things that they're talking about, these digital technologies, the digital modules, the e-drive and battery specialists, the autonomous connected HMI specialists, these are not separate disciplines. Okay. These are actually integrated disciplines because if you go to Tesla, they don't have things like this. They don't have boxes around these people. <laughs> they have a Tesla operating system. The drivetrain is integrated with the electronics. The ele electronics are integrated with the autonomous uh, uh, and connected uh, uh, operations. There's one design. There are not five different designs with five different vendors or six different vendors or 10 different vendors and then have to be integrated or a thousand different vendors, actually. So this is how... Farley may be thinking, and I, I don't presume to think that he's thinking that, but this is, this is the old speak. Now, in that box number four, we have tier 0.5, and I love that idea. I think it's a really good idea because it's no longer a, excuse my dog, there's no longer a tier one or a tier two or a tier three in this world. It's a tier five. It's it is a single integrated specialist who's building the electronics. What I'm trying to say here is that the structure of the OEM, of, of the suppliers to the OEMs are going to have to evolve. The notion that the OEM that the suppliers design these sub-assemblies and, and then the OEM has to conform to that design. The idea of tier 0.5 is that it works integrally with the OEM to design the OEM's requirement. Mm -hmm. But the notion that that can be spread across five or six or seven or eight or 20 or a thousand or 238,000 vendors through the channel is not going to work either. Now, Tesla have multiple suppliers. They, they do buy components, and I'm going to illustrate that in a few minutes. But the design and the integration and the integration specialty is all done within Tesla. Yeah. And that's the key difference because there is an operating system that controls the, the, the vehicle. There is a computer system that is integrated with the autonomy system, with FSD. 
there is, you know, a single um, network, not multiple different networks with multiple different, you know, uh, uh, computers. There's one computer that controls the whole car. And this is key to, you know, the cost and the profitability. Tesla aren't making, you know, three times, five times and ten times the profit on a dollar invested compared to other cars by accident. They're not doing it because they're buying cheap components. They're doing it because of, they designed a single system that eliminates everything that's redundant. The best part, no part. And so if Ford is going to win, if GM is going to win, if you name it, OEM is going to win, they're going to have to do the same thing. And why reinvent the wheel? Why not work with a tier 0.5 vendor like Tesla to provide the same capability that Tesla has? And why shouldn't Tesla do that? Because after all, it'll just mean more FSD cars on the road. After all, it'll mean more Tesla-driven cars on the road. There's margin in it for Tesla, and there's plenty margin for the OEM. If Tesla's making 15% on invested capital, they can give up 13 of those percent, take 2%, and the OEM's still making... Four times what they would make. Gotcha. Okay. So let me let me just ra- uh, summarize what I think right. I've heard you right. say here, which is fantastic. So currently, the OEMs, these legacy auto manufacturers, really what they are are fancy assemblers. They yeah. have these two hundred fifty thousand um, parts makers, and then they all come up. And then they deliver to them, and then they connect them together. So they're not they didn't design them. They just take what the source who can make a certain part. And as you saw in that video by Sandy Monroe, it's like this box attached to this box on top of this box because they took those pieces and connect together. They didn't design like the octo valve that Tesla did that could replace all of that. So then, and then when you add in this new uh, world of software, digital integrator. Tesla's already done this. And then you then overlaid on top of that the actual margins that Tesla's able to do. And these guys are not making any margins because of this. And so in order for them to do this, instead of trying to work with their 200,000, I think uh, Jim Farley has said there's 150 suppliers for the software part of it alone. Why do that? Why not partner with Tesla? And then you don't need to you know, basically you have to drop all your existing OEMs. Is this the what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. It goes further, okay. though. Yeah. It goes a lot further because we're talking about the next le- level of software. We're talking about inventing software that doesn't exist right now to drive the car autonomously. And you can't you have to integrate that into the design of the vehicle. You can't add that to the vehicle. And now there are so many there are so many issues that arise from that that it changes the game. So there's a lot to be said. If we go to that next slide, I just want to show you the danger that the the, the looming danger. You know, we talked about how much better it would be 
if the OEM just worked with Tesla for a single operating system with a single concept and so on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But look at the OEMs right now. You know, we've talked about the um, the current design of vehicles, internal combustion vehicles falling off a cliff. Right. This slide is a slide prepared by Deloitte that mm -hmm. talks about the financial condition of many of these tier one and tier, uh, tier one suppliers. And everything you see in the red are suppliers whose margins just don't qualify wow. them to go through tough times. In fact, if you look at this breakdown of the suppliers, you'll see that there's really only in the top right hand corner, one, one, 7% of all the suppliers yeah. that have the financial wherewithal to go through a storm. I don't want to get into the slide in very great detail, but I it, it. <laughs> it's enough to know that you are not dealing with the most healthy ecosystem in the world. You know, and, and these guys have been through a very tough time in the last two years. So you can imagine that they're not even that they're not much better now. So, you know, I mean, when you think about Farley losing four billion dollars building out this this and, and he's not alone. General Motors, it's no accident that General Motors aren't meeting their commitments or their promises of, you know, umpteen dozen, uh, you know, EV vehicles being delivered in 2023. Now moving out to 2025, you talk, Honda talking about, you know, globally talking about 30 new vehicles. It's not going to happen. Yeah. It's not going to happen. And, and we know it's not, we knew it wasn't going to happen. Those of us who are invested heavily in Tesla had the inkling, but here is the reason for it. This is a hundred year old system. And the problem is not in, the, in is not in the design of this internal combustion engine based vehicle. That's not, not the problem. The problem is much deeper. The problem is this entire ecosystem is is not fit for change <laughs> change so you know we have an ecosystem that we've developed it's called tesla they're now making cars delivering cars at a price that nobody can compete with and they're making three times five, five times and seven times the profitability so the natural move is for the guy who really wants to compete is to pay them a small premium, a license fee, and just take it all over. And it pays them. It pays Tesla because it speeds this transition to, you know, this EV world. It adds the number of vehicles on the road. It adds the number of FSD cars on the road. And it is a, you know, a channel for Tesla to earn some reasonable amount of money while the other car guys do very well okay i've got two questions for you larry yeah. so i need to understand this so number one fsd so full self-driving mm -hmm. there's many people that are saying that actually fsd is something that you could easily retrofit any car even 
a nice car because it just needs the eight cameras and a computer system and the hardware. Uh, but that is one. So I, that kind of conflicts a little bit of what you just said a little bit earlier. And then the second question is, can you explain the operating system? What does that? Because currently today they've partnered for the supercharger network that includes integration to the app. It includes the ability to obviously track, uh, you know, integrate into all the things that a car is doing, the brains of the car. But what do you mean by operating system? Because I need to tie back what you just said with the 250,000 suppliers. So what mm -hmm. parts of that would it actually replace? So every subcomponent in an ICE vehicle has a computer, a, a, a form of a computer, a chip, you know, a, there may be, I don't know, I don't, I don't know the number, I, I have to pluck a number out of the air, but a multitude of different computers in a standard or different computer chips in a standard ICE vehicle each one supplied by a different vendor, each one programmed by a different vendor. That's what Farley meant when he said he's got 150 different yes. programs running on his computer. That's not so in Tesla. Tesla has a single operating system, vehicle operating system. It's not, the vehicle operating system is of course tied into their app. That's what gives the app such power and such visibility into the rest of the vehicle. But, you know, in a very short period of time, Tesla's going to roll out their 48 volt system. And that's going to reduce the wiring harness in the car by a dramatic amount. And the bulk of the wiring is going to be also taking to each of those components in the car, Ethernet. Now you've reduced the wiring even further because right now in the car, the wiring for the computers to connect to, you know, any central point is separate from the power wiring. That's what I mean by the operating system, not the app. Gotcha. The app's the yep. easy part. Yep. The difficult part is when you've got 150 vendors of software each writing their own software, each programming their own, and, and then try and tie that together, try and control that. Not that easy. So, yeah, Jim Farley had said, like, one example is they have uh, 150 partners. One example he gave was they have a partnership with Bosch. Every time that, you know, which controls the seats, uh, the ability to move the seats forward and backwards, if they wanted the seats to move, any slightly different, they have to negotiate with Bosch. Bosch is reluctant to make any changes, even just the ability to net, to move the seats forward and backwards. Because, like I said, that does have a chip that has a smart need to be able to electronically control it. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, so it's just it's just impossible. So you're saying, you know, why would just why would they not just partner with Tesla that can control everything in the car with one brain? Yeah, and then and then. To have custom software for themselves would be easy because Tesla would provide the APIs and they could write directly to the API. It could be standardized, you know, across the industry. I mean, it would be that easy, that easy. Yeah. Right. And, you know, there are quite a few other benefits that arise from there. So I would say that it would be, it would, you know, 
so I, I don't want to um, skip past this 48 volt uh, power system that Tess is working on. For the industry as a whole to change to 48 volt mm -hmm. would require, is going to require an unbelievable amount of <laughs> change. I, I can't even imagine how they're going to do it. Once Tesla's done it, it's integrated into all these other components that Tesla has put together. It would be magical for Jim Farley to say, you know what, I want one of those. It would save Jim Farley billions and billions of dollars. And what's the downside? The downside is really not great if he comes to a reasonable deal with Tesla in terms of transfer of knowledge. It, it gets his engineers over three years of development, and they're not going to develop a better system than Tesla. I don't say they can't. They certainly could with an, you know, with an unlimited expenditure of money. But look what happened to Volkswagen when they tried to do it. I don't know. They, they hired 14,000 software engineers. Right. There's nothing that 14,000 there's, there's 14, engineers can't, can do that 40 engineers could do nothing. I mean, I know I've hired, I, I hired a lot of software people and I've had a lot of software teams. The bigger the team, the less the productivity. When you get to 14,000, fire them or replace them with 40, you'll get more done. <laughs> and any, any serious software engineer understands that. Any serious software engineer understands that. Anyway, so um, this well, next tell me slide. about the um, tell me yeah. tell me about the business model though. Okay, so um, two yeah. issues here, right? Would be could a company like a Ford or GM risk their brand by saying that it's got Tesla inside, or is it going to be just seen very much like well, Ford and GM already outsource. It's like Apple iPhone. It's outsourced to Foxconn. There's yeah. nothing fancy about that. Uh, could that be something that a Ford or GM be able to do? Keep their brand, and yet it's Tesla's inside. And then two, why would Tesla do this? Um, you know, I, I use, you know, how, how is it a separate division that they would do software? Is it software plus hardware? You know, um, tell me more about what you see there. There's no differentiating between software and hardware at Tesla. There's no such thing. Um, exactly. And, and it would require a business unit to actually um, package the, the proposal and to create the, you know, the economics around the parcel and put it together, put the business plan together and to actually market it. But GM cars today, they don't advertise that they're Bosch cars, even though in some, in some parts of the world, GM doesn't even make their own cars. That's right. You know, put a badge. They put their badge on it. Yeah. They put a badge on it. In this case, they would be buying software, components, and some components, by the way, Tesla don't, and I'll show that in a few minutes. Tesla don't buy their, don't build everything that, they buy components from tier yeah. one, tier two suppliers. But they don't tell you those components, but, and, and they're Tesla branded. So they could be GM branded. I mean, nobody need know. 
you know, if Ford wants to say we have Tesla's FSD, they could definitely say that, or they could say we have we're going to you know put Blues Cruise or whatever their whatever their branding is on it. That's up to them. And and why should they not? And why would it bother Tesla? So I don't think that from a business perspective, it's there's any problem for GM or for Ford or, or Mercedes or whoever or, or Volkswagen for that matter to buy it. But think about Tesla's able to make a car in 40 seconds. That factory, mm-hmm. a car pops out of that factory every 40 seconds or every 60 seconds, whatever it is. Volkswagen can't do that. I mean, the, the bottom line is that there are opportunities for to, to package the Tesla magic and to market and to provide that Tesla magic to as many OEMs as want to move forward very rapidly and for them to become more competitive and to you know expand the EV business. I mean, look at what Ford's doing. They're backing off. What they're going to do now, they're going to do hybrids. I mean, can you believe it? BYD is as rapidly closing down their hybrid business as they can. And, and there's Ford, you know, Adopting hybrids. Come on, guys. <laughs> this is no way to run a railroad. They have no choice. You, well, you just showed that video of Sandy Monroe. That is an electric vehicle. They opened up the frunk and they couldn't have it empty. <laughs> it's filled with things. Amazing. Just amazing. Just amazing. All right. So now I want to show this next slide. And I'm going to show these very quickly. But basically, what I'm what I'm really showing on this slide is the segments of revenue that are growing rapidly today and the segments of revenue that Tesla could supply the components for in a Tesla OEM operation. So everything in green here you see is showing growth, is showing, you know, these are the areas of massive growth in the OEM world. And this, look at it. It's electric drivetrain, battery fuel cell, ADAS and sensors, interiors, electronic, well, interiors, not really Tesla's uh, specialty, electronics, uh, body, um, and infotainment. There, Tesla could package some real technology that would you know, dramatically speed the process of, uh, of adoption. And that's where the growth is. That's where the growth lies for the OEMs. The stagnant areas, you know, not not really interesting for, from from a Tesla's perspective or, or from a Tesla operating perspective. So that that really, you know, shows that that's a real opportunity, because this is the area of growth. This is where the OEMs are going to supply, you know, the, their stuff. Sorry, the 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 providers the 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 tier one and tier tier one are going to provide the principal uh technologies to these uh to these oems and oems have to reinvent this entire ecosystem and as you can see ford's failing at it gm's failing at i mean all of them are failing at it and who are the guys who are delivering the guys who are delivering are Chinese firms that are starting from scratch. 
exactly as Tesla did. This is yeah, very, and, very interesting. But yeah, before we move on, I, I love yeah, this slide yeah, because right. you, this is the question I was asking you, right? Which is what are the components? And yeah. you are talking way more at this point than just the software and the hardware, you know, the brains. You're talking about the drivetrain and the batteries. Yeah. yeah. And it's everything. Now, you know, when you first said this, I started laughing because it's practically the entire car. And but then I remembered that hey, Tesla partnered with Mercedes decades ago, early 2012 and all that, right. because they provided the drivetrain for the Mercedes. And so it's not inconceivable. I mean, Tesla, of course, had done it in the full past. They're, the question is, would they be willing to do this? Well, if you believe that Tesla says that the factory is the product, then yes. if they can continue to make factories, then continue to make parts, they do it so fast and so cheap, then they may be able to deliver it more than what they need. That's the question people say is, why would they partner with anybody else? They need every part they create. They can make more cars. They're barely going to make 20 million. Now you're going to try to supply others. What's your they don't supply? They don't have to. They, they can build the plant. I mean, their biggest, their most valuable product is the plant. So all they have to do is give them, give the Ford, the blueprints to the plant, build it like this, do this, here's the plans, and then, you know, we'll come in and help you. I mean, they don't have, actually, Tesla doesn't have to supply a darn thing. They just have to teach the guys to fish and let the guys Did you fish. know what? Did you know what happened yesterday? Uh, Ford was loaned, got a loan from the Department of Energy, the U.S. government, for $9 billion to build three plants, three factories. So maybe they could take that, pay Tesla to, you know, to design the factory to build these parts. Bing, bang, bing, bang, boom, you know, they're ready to go. <laughs> you know, we're talking about making batteries and People tell me about how Tesla's struggling to make these new batteries. And I try and remind them when Panasonic started this production line, it took them four years to get, you know, real production out of that factory. It took four years and incredible struggles. That's just what it takes. Yeah. And GM's going through that right now. Ford think they just, oh, but they'll just build a factory and they'll be able to produce batteries. It ain't gonna happen. Tesla's going through that pain now. Ford could inherit that, that value tomorrow. GM could shut down that Altium plant and take on, you know, the Tesla solution. Now, you know, Tesla may be a little bit early for licensing the, the, the dry battery process and the and the 4680, it's still early and they don't have all the chemistries that, that are going to be necessary. So, you know, maybe they still have to buy a third party battery or whatever. But just think about how much further they would be along if they could inherit some of that technology. Yeah. So you're yeah. right. I mean, yeah. I'm not talking about just, you know, just the software. I'm not talking about just the operating system. I'm talking about buying from Tesla just the way they buy from the OEMs. Right now they're buying from Bosch and they're buying from, you know, XYZ. I don't want to go through the whole list of them all. 
but they're buying from all these different suppliers. What's wrong with Tesla as a supplier? They're going to be around in tough times. Their suppliers we saw in this previous slide aren't going to be there in tough times. The one thing I can think why this would happen is because there's so many uh, legacy OEMs and they're all dying. And so they're getting very desperate. But Tesla can really only partner with one or maybe two for the next several years. And so one of them is going to realize I need to be the first, announce the partnership with Tesla. And then the rest are going to clamber for the second. And then that's basically all Tesla can do for the next five years. The rest are shit out of luck. It's over, you know, for them. They're diet. So, you know, when you're licensing, when you're licensing, you're not limited in terms of scope. You're not limited in terms of numbers of customers. What? You can expand okay. to the number, the number of customers almost infinitely because you don't like have product. to build plants. They're building the plants. They're, you know, so, but, okay. you know, there, there's, there'll be a mix. They'll want to produce the first pieces first, you know, to ship. I mean, look, those are problems that they can deal with. The, the rate of which they can grow and the number of clients they can take on. But if you look at the NACS, look how the, look how the the pins fell. You know, once the first pin yep. fell, it all you know. Anyway, yeah, right. So this next slide actually um, shows the you know the the potential for growth in these mm -hmm. green areas we looked at a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. You know, you if you look at the left side of this chart, you'll see you know the particular uh, market size for that particular plant. So if you look at the electric drivetrain right now, I can't read it, it's 29 billion. 29, yeah. With the opportunity, the market size in 2027 being 100 billion. So you're looking at a five, you know, three times growth, three, three and a third times growth, you know, just in that, in that area alone. So you take Tesla's, you know, uh, motors, I mean, they're the best in the business. Mm -hmm. They're the best in the business. Why wouldn't why wouldn't GM want to just inherit that motor and make that? You know, same with the batteries. Obviously, the ADAS as well. I think they're underestimating the size of the market in ADAS. Um, electronics. You know, Tesla could just give them the designs and you know let them loosen their chip uh, with Tesla's own chip manufacturer. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and the same is true of infotainment. So that just gives you a sense of you know the opportunity. And and really, it's all in you know the plans that Tesla has, the designs that Tesla has, the methods that Tesla have, the um, you know the the formula for the metals that Tesla has. All of that. It, and and the software. Now it's in the software that Tesla may have to put bodies in, you know, into the process, and th that may be a scaling problem because I can't see these other firms really doing that well. I think they'll set up a bureaucracy and it will die. So that just gives you a sense of you know the opportunity. Hey there, thank you for joining me. If you can, please consider supporting this channel so I can keep it going. It's a lot of work arranging all these amazing interviews. One of the easiest ways is just to click that join button and become a member of the channel. Thank you very much. Let's get brighter. 
How do you see this falling? So we've basically saw them say we're willing to partner uh, with supercharging networks, and the Ford started, GM started, now uh, seven, eight. Everybody's going to fall and partner. Then uh, he, uh, Elon announced at the last earnings call that they're already in talks with one major OEM for licensing full self-driving. Okay, and FSD is the thing, right? So Elon's been talking about it. Yeah, what? but let me remind you what he did say. Uh, just mm -hmm. very important to hear what he did say. He didn't say they're already in talks. They are very early talks. Yeah, early talks. What that translates to in my book is that their feelers out on both sides. They're thinking about it. I, I'm not sure that this is, you know, that this is real. And so I'd be a little bit, cautious about that okay so, so that's fsd now for this things that you're talking about the operating system the you know going beyond that into drivetrains and batteries and adas and others how do you how do you see that happening will just come out of the blue do you think it'll be pieces at a time i think given you know g given the drivetrain the Drivetrain controls, the um, the motors. If you think about what used to be the skateboard, but but now we can talk about the drivetrain and the and the castings and the and the um, the battery, uh, the the uh, uh, the the the, um, uh, the, the um, What's the word for the battery? The um, <laughs> um, the battery that forms part of the, the the structural battery. Thank you. The structural battery pack. That all is going to require some engineering transfer of knowledge, plans, designs. Um, you know all of the you know the, the componentry and the factory that would support that and you know a discussion about how the battery is going to be made who's going to make the batteries in the battery plant so and of course the electronics that go with it the software that goes with it and the control and and the design of that software and the adaptation of that software to the design of the car all of that requires a lot of design work a lot of engineering work a lot of support and for that tesla will have to charge engineering i mean they they would charge for the engineering they would charge for the for the time that their people have to spend on it and of course they would charge some royalty on the car or on the pieces being used tesla will also have to in due course provide the design for the 48 volt system because they're going to have to design it source it, test it, produce it, and then integrate it into the vehicle. And that's going to require a new vehicle design. So that may be a little bit further down the road. And all of this is going to have to be packaged as software. And so the software engineers are going to have to do some um, transfer of knowledge, transfer of code and transfer of knowledge. So because that code was going to have to be modified for the client. So, so we're talking about a fairly significant program. This program would require, you know, a structure, a, a corporate structure, an organization 
not a corporate structure, an organization and control and management. So it's going to take some time to do. Um, and it's best done with a partner. It's best done with the first guy who signs up because that will really teach Tesla how to put the package together. What, I, what I've heard you say before was <clears throat> there's the partnership with superchargers, but this uh, this opens it up. And I know that um, Jeff Lutz, who's a chief executive, uh, high-level executive at Fortune 100 companies who's responsible for supply chain, says that once you've established a, a, an agreement with a supplier or a partnership between the two parties, it makes it easier to really add on addendums. And so the supercharging network requires partnerships beyond just charging network. There's an app, there's an API, there's integration to software. This then maybe allows them to expand that. So that's your operating system. And then you were saying that maybe they might even, you know, now license designs and plans for various parts or for the factory, those kind of things. Okay. Now, what do you think about lithium uh, refinery? So the, the minerals and resources, because when I remember the discussion between Elon and Jim Farley when they were announcing the supercharged network, two times in that space, in that Twitter space, Jim Farley said, tell me more about your lithium refinery. It sounded like that was his next priority, was getting access to lithium for the batteries. Um, do you think that that could be another partnership that might Absolutely. follow? Absolutely. Once Tesla opens itself up as a supplier, as a 0.5 level supplier, the <clears throat> it will share. Tesla should share everything they can. Now they have to prioritize their own production, obviously, and they have to prioritize their own use. And what's really interesting is for them to be able to design in partnership with their partners. So when they build the 48 volt system, they show the, the partners what they're going to be doing and the partners say, yeah, that works, but I need this as well. And they can engineer that in or the partner can help engineer that in. That's really, uh, that's how, you know, tier one suppliers work right now with their OEMs, but it, you know, if you think about the tier one supplier, they're really focused on their little part or their, their piece of, of, of the car. Tesla's really involved with the whole car. And so it's car. a much, much better system. Now, many tier one suppliers actually build cars uh, that, that, that the OEMs badge, um, and that's becoming more and more popular. And that allows them to do the engineering you know, with their own parts in the car. So there's some value to that. And But Tesla would be in the pound seats as far as that's concerned. So it would work extremely well. I mean, people have to get over their psychological block, you know, that this new kid on the block is now suddenly a principal supplier to them. I think I think those days are kind of over. I, I don't think that it's a problem anymore. I mean, just, just a few days ago, Volkswagen paid, uh, partnered, with Xiaopeng uh, in China. And uh, they bought $700 million to get 5% ownership of Xiaopeng so that Xiaopeng can create two vehicles for them. And all Volkswagen will do is put their badge on these two vehicles. Uh, so it's very, it's very obviously there's it, a changing of the guards. There's a very large legacy brand that has basically uh, waved the white flag in China because they couldn't sell their cars in China with the Volkswagen uh, made cars. And so now they had to partner with a 
upstart Chinese brand to do it. And so I think they're getting desperate. And then their subsidiary, Audi, partnered with SAIC, which is another Chinese auto manufacturer. So, you know, it's, it's just a matter of time before some company will do the same thing. Tesla create an entire car and I will put my, just my badge on it. But what you're saying is there's so many pieces here that they could actually license out that few of us have even thought that it's even possible, but it's looking. The last thing they need to do is buy a Tesla car and put their badge on it. That's the very last thing they need to do. They need to get the technology in-house. And the way to get the technology in-house is to license it on a, you know, 25 year term and, and build off this incredible base of, of knowledge that Tesla has and build their own car, build their own design, build their own car end to end, reduce significantly their dependency on OEMs, improve their operations. Now, you know, they have a problem. Ford is a problem. It, you know, it's, it's a union shop and it's going to be very hard for them to do some of the things that Tesla is able to do. Um, because of the, you know, the work rules. Um, so I think that that's going to be an impediment for them. You know, what's interesting is uh, I'm going to go back to this slide that you shared right at the beginning of this uh, session here, because they're, they're really, you know, they need to write the ship as they move along. They're, there's this hemorrhaging money as they're trying to transition to EVs. And so they're almost needing to do this in order to save their company. They're, they're already there basically on this chart. You're showing that. It, you know, I struggle to understand this chart. I struggle so hard <laughs> to understand this chart. You know, Herbert, I, you know, if I, if I were a CEO yeah. of any company to the right of Ferrari, any of these companies, I would have to look at myself and say, what am I doing wrong? Where did, yeah. you know, where did I take the wrong turn? As Jim Farley says, we have to turn left. You know, you can't go on doing the same thing over and over, you know, and think you're going to dig yourself out of this hole. Yeah, it's time. They're desperate. Okay, well, Larry, this was a very, very big, giant idea. You blew my mind because initially you, I thought you were just going to talk about um, you know, this, the partnership with the Superchart Networks, expanding to software, SD maybe, which is big already, and then the operating system. But <laughs> you went on and said that yeah. uh, they very likely might even uh, license out all these different parts, drivetrain, batteries, <clears throat> all these things, and then maybe even the design for the factory. You know, that's that's big. This is big. And then you showed the actual numbers of percentage of billions of dollars that can flow many of it, much of it going back to Tesla if they decide to do this. That's a massive business. They basically are going to be the Tesla inside. Yeah, it's not a trillion dollar business like all our good friends talk about these different businesses, each being a trillion dollar business. I, I, I don't think it's a trillion dollar business. I think it's, but I think it's a business that is extremely important for Tesla to pursue because I don't see how these guys this whole collection, this motley collection of companies in that slide, I just don't see how they get over the hurdles. I just, you know, the fact that so many have failed just this year, I mean, you look at these EVs sitting on lots, unsaleable, and 
at and and they cost the OEM four times what they're selling for. I mean, guys, this is no way. This is not not the way to do it. And oh, it if, is if, not. In, sorry. If if Tesla solves FSD, then you know it's game over and these guys have to do this. But I, I can see that this is part of, you know, the mission, Tesla's mission, right? Because they, they don't want these brands to die. In fact, it's to their benefit. They can benefit by by licensing FSD, by licensing even many parts to them. <clears throat> Why not have many different brands and just get RoboTaxi uh, distributed as fast as possible? Um, so that part, I think, makes more sense than Tesla just going to be, you know, I'm going to be the one brand that's going to control the entire world and only RoboTaxi, only from Tesla's brand. That's not likely. We have a real problem in China. We have a real problem in China. When I say we, I mean the global we. All of us outside of China have a real problem. That the Chinese OEMs are going to dominate the world if we just go on doing what we're doing. You know, you do you have Volkswagen doing these incredibly brainless moves. I mean, so brainless it is staggering. Because they don't seem they don't they don't feel they have a choice. Mm -hmm. We can't afford, we collectively, the world can't afford to simply sit back and let China become the sole manufacturer of vehicles. Because that's the other alternative. We have to teach every one of the Western OEMs how to do what Tesla's done. And Tesla's the one to do it. And they can benefit from it financially very well. And everybody can win. Everybody can win. Yeah, it is. It is curious why Volkswagen would go to a Chinese, a small Chinese company before they would even go to Tesla. And if it's a, uh, yeah, right. Interesting. Herbert Dies would never have done this. Well, that's why he's not working there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I'm going to let him go. You're right. You're right. You're but uh, awesome, Larry. You, this and is I have to say, Herbert, I started, I started exactly where you started, the idea of, well, they've already got the app. Let's just expand it. Let's do FSD. Well, and then as I began to think through it, I thought, what would I do? What would I do? And... I really came up with this idea before Jim Farley gave the bad news last week. And, and when I heard that news, I thought, oh, my God, Jim, come on. Yeah, it's time. They're going to do it. <clears throat> well, you know, the, the breadcrumbs have been there, right? There's uh, Elon yes. taught from the beginning saying that uh, we don't want to, we, we don't, the patents, we don't need patents. We're here to, you know, partner. They've been licensing with Mercedes. They're willing to license as often as they want. Of course, they couldn't do it until now. They have multiple factories in place. They've got their own act together with a new design of the, um, the unbox process. The unbox process itself is very likely partly driven because of this idea that they can, you know, it's like it's a modular platform and then you have different vehicle parts being added to it. And so why not just take a, a Ford version of it and put it on instead of the, the van version or the compact version, the RoboTaxi version, but the Ford's version. And so it's all kind of like making sense that you know, Tesla's uh, thinking about this and he's always repeated the factory is their product. And so scratch your head. What do you mean by that? You know, it could be as simply as saying that 
you know, if I focus on the factory, that's the entire business is the ability for us to create things at, at scale, at cost effective. But it also could mean it's the product. <laughs> I'm going to go license the product in the future. This is what's going to sell. We're going to take over all manufacturing of all products. <laughs> it's our factory that people will buy. What you're saying is essentially that it isn't the OEMs that should be quaking in their boots. It is the tier one and N suppliers that should be quaking in their boots. I'm glad you gave us stats. Okay. Well, thank you so much, uh, Larry. This was great. That was fantastic and uh, appreciate it. So folks, if you're not already following Larry on Twitter, his handle is at Tesla Larry. He's high in demand. <laughs> Everybody wants to bring him on their show. So I really appreciate you doing that. Thank you again for coming on to my show. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.